Welcome to Harrison Church. It's a new year, filled with a lot of amazing opportunities and events ahead. Consider getting involved with a ministry or volunteer for an event at Harrison. You can keep in touch on Facebook or online. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Pastor Kyle McCain. Merry Christmas. I hope you are uh, still celebrating. It is, after all, only the sixth day of Christmas, and we celebrate all the way to Epiphany in the life of the church, uh, which is January the 6th. So don't take your Christmas tree down just yet, unless you already have. (laughs) I'm so glad that you are here. I never know what to expect on this Sunday, the Sunday uh, after Christmas, where, of course, everybody knows the associate pastor is preaching. Uh, But I'm glad that you're here, and if you're visiting with us, a special welcome to you. I am uh, Kyle McCain. I'm the associate pastor here. Pastor Shane is off enjoying some time away, as as I will be immediately following the 11 o'clock service. So uh, don't call me. Um, It's been an incredible uh, couple of weeks. Uh, Last Sunday was just an amazing day of worship, uh, start to finish. Uh, If you were here in the morning... uh, uh, I hope that you uh, enjoyed the intimacy of the, of the way the chairs were arranged and the time and the music uh, before we headed into the craziness of, of Christmas Eve. And, and then, uh, you know, by the time we got out of here, it was, uh, gosh, it was probably 2 o'clock in the morning by the time we all got home and got settled and, unw- and, and unwinded, unwound, uh, because it's just so exciting to do Christmas Eve worship. Uh, where the numbers are, of course, uh, elevated, and the spirit is amazing, and and people are in such a great mood, and so uh, it makes it easy to do this job on Christmas Eve. Like Shane says, uh, it's amazing we get paid to do this on Christmas Eve, to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ. Um, In each of the later services last week... um, we did our traditional lessons and carol services where, where we read the story of Christmas and sing those Christmas carols that are familiar that help tell the story. And uh, it is a familiar story. It's, it's one that is acted out um, every year by children all over the world in the annual Christmas pageant. There's, there are characters like Gabriel and the star and the shepherds and the wise men and, of course, Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus. The characters paint such a beautiful picture of Jesus' coming into the world in the hush of a winter's night and make for great scenery on our greeting cards at Christmas time. But our affinity for nostalgia fails to address the whole story. Where's the antagonist of the Christmas story in that version? Every good story has to have a villain. The hero must have an adversary. I mean, Star Wars has Darth Vader, right? And Peter Pan has Hook. And even the Christmas Carol has Scrooge. Where is the antagonist of the Christmas story? If you were here uh, in the morning last week, uh, you uh, you will recall in my sermon that I mentioned we would be revisiting Herod this week. I used used Herod as sort of the background for Mary's story, as I told about the mother of Jesus. 
And I don't usually preach two Sundays in a row, so I took the opportunity to do a mini-series of sorts uh, of my own. And so today we'll hear from the antagonist, Herod, or Herod the Great as he is called. And so I'm going to invite you to stand as I read from Luke's, I'm sorry, from Matthew's gospel this week. So Matthew's telling of the Christmas story comes from chapter 2, and I'll begin reading at verse 13. Now after they, the, the magi, the wise men, had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night, and went to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, Out of Egypt I have called my son. When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he was infuriated, and he sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had heard from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, wailing and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be consoled because they are no more. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up and take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who were seeking the child's life are now dead. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he had heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judea in place of his father, Herod, he was afraid to go there. And after being warned in a dream, he went away to the district of Galilee. There he made his home in a town called Nazareth so that what had been spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled. He, was, he will be called a Nazarene. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. This is a story we did not hear during Advent or on Christmas Eve as we read the traditional Christmas story. That text is a combination of bits and pieces from several Gospels. So our traditional Christmas story gets a little convoluted when the Magi show up at the manger. However, both Luke and Matthew frame their telling, their narratives of the birth of Jesus in the context of Herod's rule, writing in the time of King Herod or in the days of King Herod. Last week I told you that I thought that this was, was not only historical but also environmental and we talked about the class system that existed under Herod and the lowly classes and, and, and where Mary and Joseph fit into that society. Nations look and behave 
a certain way under the influence of their rulers, of their political leaders. And the writers, the writer Matthew, wants us to pay attention to the political time, the political climate of the time. Herod was appointed king over Judea by the Roman Senate under Caesar Augustus in 37 BCE and remained there until his death shortly after Jesus' birth. He was one of the most powerful men in the world at that time. But he was only part Jewish and not of the Davidic lineage. So the Jewish people did not um, recognize his kingship. And although he made incredible improvements to the city through building and even the rebuilding of the second temple or what was known as the second temple in Jerusalem, neither the Jews nor the Romans really cared for him very much. And this caused him to be paranoid and insecure in his position. His brutality is legendary. He is known for having banished his first wife and son after falling in love with another woman. And then after marrying that woman, later had her put to death because he thought she was orchestrating a coup. He also ordered the execution of two of his, his own sons. He suspected everyone of trying to overthrow his rule and remove him from power. It was this paranoia that prompted his response to the news about the birth of yet another king of the Jews, ordering the massacre of the infants, the two-year-olds and under, in Bethlehem and throughout the vicinity. This is a character we do not want in our Christmas story. So we must ask the question, why did Matthew include it when Luke and Mark did not? What is it that he wants us to see in this narrative? I think he wants us to know what a messed up world it is that Jesus was born into. Herod's murderous reaction to the threat of losing control is the standard response of power-hungry megalomaniacs to any perceived threat. History is replete with leaders who have ordered the killing of innocents to maintain their control and their power. Characters like Attila the Hun and Genghis Khan, even Queen Mary who killed hundreds after the Protestant Reformation. Then there were Lenin, Mussolini, Stalin, and and of course Hitler. Wasn't that long ago when the Chinese government's response to the people's call for democracy in that country ended in bloodshed in the Tiananmen Square incident. And most recently, the world was shocked and appalled by the actions of Assad of Syria, who used chemical weapons on the very people he was to protect. 
Matthew's original Jewish audience would have made the connection between this story and their story. That part where prior to the Exodus, the king of Egypt ordered the killing of all new Hebrew baby boys in fear of being outnumbered and overrun by the Israelites. The once oppressive Egypt has now become the site of refuge for Jesus and his family. Herod's reaction to the news of the newborn king gives us some insight into the real threat that Jesus possesses or poses. I originally thought this sermon was to be about Mary and Joseph and uh, Jesus as refugees fleeing their homeland as a, under the threat of murder by such a, a, a vicious ruler, such an easy layup. And it would be timely, giving our own political climate around this issue, the Bible has some pretty strong things to say about welcoming strangers and how to treat people who are not like us that are different from us. It also occurred to me that they were homeless. Later on, Jesus would even say, the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. But I didn't really want to go there either. And then it occurred to me, the problem with our hallmark version of the Christmas story is that Herod is not usually in it. Every story must have someone who opposes the ideals and virtue of the main character. Keeping Herod in Christmas reminds us of what a messed up world we live in. The kind of world where those who hold power will do anything to keep it. The Herods of this world rule by intimidation power, might, and violence demanding compliance by their people. They instill envy and hatred and division. They work to keep the people oppressed, sometimes going so far as to withhold the basic necessities of food and water to these rulers Power and control are of greater value than human life. Keeping Herod in Christmas helps us to confront the fear that we have of Jesus' kingship in our own lives. It helps us to acknowledge our, our desire for power and control over our own lives. What steps have you taken to avoid Jesus' taking the rightful place as king in your world? There is a little bit of Herod in all of us. The tension we see by keeping Herod in the story is the same tension that we experience for ourselves when Jesus threatens our lifestyle our priorities, our 
kingdom. Herod's concerns were valid. Jesus did indeed come as king. And his rule is a threat to every kingdom and authority on earth, especially our own. He came to usher in the kingdom of God where the citizens enjoy freedom, healing, and wholeness. And the currency of that kingdom is love. Love of neighbor, love of stranger, even love of enemies. The king insists on humility, cooperation, and unity. The uh, transactional nature of the gospel we have grown accustomed to hearing, where, where Jesus takes our sin and give us, gives us eternal life, hardly speaks to the kingdom of God, let alone helps to usher it in. Jesus came to save us not only from hell, but from the rule of kingdoms other than God's own. Kingdoms where where power and authority and wealth and influence are the currency. The salvation of Jesus speaks of is for the whole world, not just a select few in some far-off place beyond the brokenness of of the earth, at a time to be named later, is for the here and the now. And it requires the participation of its citizens to expand the kingdom further into those places where suffering has taken up permanent residence. Escapist religion, where we pretend everything is all right, while suffering and oppression, sickness and hunger stand just outside our doors, was never part of the gospel Jesus taught, or the kingdom into which we have been invited. The citizens of God's kingdom are called upon to work together for something greater than themselves. Because the truth is that neither Herod, who failed at his attempt to kill the baby Jesus, or Pontius Pilate, who succeeded in hanging him on a tree on the cross, cared one bit about your sin or where you spend eternity. They were threatened by the idea that Jesus would offer a way of life that undermined their authority and contradicts the empire. It was true then, and it is still true today. Keeping Herod in Christmas exposes the human tendency to want to destroy our enemies, both real and perceived. Of course, Jesus was not the enemy of Herod, but we know that there is truth in the old saying that perception is reality, and the perceived threat for him was real. And the best solution is often thought to be the removal of the threat. 
I've heard stories from people who have fled from situations where they thought Jesus was getting just a little bit too close. He was beginning to bump up against some long-standing beliefs that did not align with his teaching. The tension between old ideals and, and new ones increased to the point that fight-or-flight mechanism kicks in. I remember the day I was sitting in the pastor's office on this campus, weeping, all out of sorts, because I knew that Jesus was calling me to something different a way of life that I had never fully experienced before and wasn't sure what it looked like or if I really wanted anything to do with it. I was terrified. I was comfortable with the kingdom that I was living in. It had taken me 20 years to get it like I wanted it. And I wasn't interested in making a whole lot of changes I was seeking pastoral counsel because I didn't know what to do. That was close to 15 years ago. And I do not regret for one minute the decision that I made to become a citizen of God's kingdom. Not the kingdom beyond the stars, the kingdom here and now where love rules and, and people care for one another. One of my greatest joys in my new work as a pastor is when I get to share in those struggles with others, with those who come to my office in almost the exact same situation, wrestling with a call for change in their own lives and and, and I can see it in their eyes, and it's unsettling. And they don't know what to do. But they know that God is calling them to something, something different, something better. It's unsettling because becoming a kingdom, a citizen in the kingdom of God, where Christ is king, affects every area of our lives. Our relationships, our work, our finances, and yes, even our politics are affected by Jesus. So the Christmas story told in its entirety, including Herod, represents this clash of kingdoms where we are often the antagonists of the story, where we fight against the inbreaking of God into our world. The disturbing images that we've seen this year from around the world serve as evident evidence that the world is still pretty messed up. We've seen hatred and violence 
and destruction come near on so many fronts. 2,000 years ago, over 2,000 years ago, God stepped down from the heavenly realm to dwell among us. Not because we had it all figured out and we were doing just fine, but because we had lost our way. And he loved us enough to come and show us again how to live together under the flag of his kingdom and his rule. Thanks be to God. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure to listen next week for the start of Pastor Shane's new series on the book of Revelation. For more information, you can visit us online at harrisonchurch.org.